in the middle of the verse, the middle of the thought, but Paul is saying in verse 12, let us give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness, hallelujah, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Father, we just thank you so much that today we are in Christ, and the power of the living God is inside us, your Holy Spirit, Thank you, Father, for this moment in time. I pray that uh, as we look into your word, actually that the fear of the Lord would come upon us in a new way, in a way that drives us to holiness and putting your kingdom first. We bless you and we thank you for this wonderful church, for this wonderful nation, chance to be in your word together freely. We just ask for your anointing and your power, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have been following the news story about the Chilean miners who are trapped underground? Um, For those of you that haven't, this is a a fascinating uh, situation where um, a mine caved in August 5th in northern Chile. It's a gold and copper mine, and 33 miners were missing, and it took 17 days to drill several six-inch pilot holes 2,300 feet down. That's about a half mile down to discover that these all 33 are alive and safe, and they're in a, in a room down there about the size of a a medium-sized living room. Well, of course, Chile was rejoicing, the families were rejoicing, and now they're all camped up at, top, up at the top waiting for them to be rescued. So they've been, as of today, they've been there one month. Uh, it's about 95, 90 to 95 degrees down there. They've all lost about 20 pounds. Uh, NASA has been called in to help uh, with nutrition and um, hygiene and emotional, you know, psychological help, because here's the kicker, is they're thinking it's going to take anywhere from two to four months to rescue these guys. They're drilling a um, 27-inch hole from the top of the mountain down, um, which again, Best case scenario, early November, worst case scenario, Christmas, um, that they'll be able to lift these guys out one by one. Um, it'll be a three-hour ride up to the top um, in, in this saddle. I, I think it's actually a, a platform that they'll raise up. And so these men have to fit into 19 inches of space. I would never make it. Um, they, there's nine of them that are too fat, and they're, they're on a, you know, a, a liquid diet and, and uh, so forth to get down to where they need to be. But 
because I have claustrophobia, I'm praying for these guys every day. They are just in my mind. Um, and um, there's funny things that are happening as this drama unfolds. For example, uh, one man and woman who have been living together and have two children uh, propose to each other via notes that were dropped down the, the tube. And I just have to take this little segue to say that what a comment about cohabitation or living together. You're living together, you share children, and suddenly you're in this situation where you just want to, you know, you're just desperate to show more love. How do you do it? Well, you get married. What, what does that say about cohabitation? You know, that, that we don't really love completely until we take full responsibility for each other. Just a little side note on marriage, and uh, you'll have to forgive me for that. They're actually lowering bed frames down this six-inch hole so that the men can sleep better. Um, one man is in deep trouble because his wife was up at the top, um, and he heard another woman calling out her na his name, her husband's name. Turns out it's his mistress. And so now they're up there saying, he loves me. No, he loves me. And uh, some of that going on. Imagine the man down below. Maybe he'll want to stay. <laughs> and here's the, funniest, here's the funniest one to me. There was a strong request from the men for wine. They, they wanted wine to celebrate Chile's Independence Day. The only trouble was, the Independence Day was about a month away when they requested the wine. And so boys will be boys, I guess. But one of the early reports I heard was that they were organizing their, their space, and there's a medical, there's a corner that's devoted to medicine. One of the corners is devoted to prayer. And I want you to imagine with me the resolutions that are being made down in that little room and the anxiety and the urgency to seek God and desperate prayers for patience and for sanity. The men know that it may take this long to rescue them. If ever there was a time where Matthew 6.33 applied, I would say it's in their situation, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. My prayer is that some will come to Christ through this situation, and in a very dramatic way, like us, will be delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's Son. But I wonder, when they're delivered, how long will they live delivered? And I think that's a question that can be asked of us. In fact, that's what I will be asking this morning is, are, are we still living the delivered life? Are we uh, keeping the kingdom first? Are we still keeping the kingdom first? I want to share with you seven signs 
that um, a believer is not king, keeping the kingdom first. Um, I could have framed this in a positive way, but I felt the Lord wanted me to actually frame it um, in the negative. Seven signs a believer is not keeping the kingdom first. And I would ask that you might uh, write these down because my hope is, is that over the course of this coming week, um, you, you will be touched and, and during the course of this week, you will want to uh, meditate on these in your own life. Sign number one is the days of regularly seeking the Lord have stopped. And this is, this is what I'm hearing in the spirit, um, and I believe I'm hearing clearly, at least for my own life, and, and I trust for yours as well. I hear the Lord saying, pursue me again. Pursue me. Don't just wait for me, but pursue me. Seek me again. And in Psalm 27, verse 8, I was looking at this verse where David says, When thou didst say, Seek my face, my heart said to thee, Thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. Let me read that again. When thou didst say, Seek my face, my heart said to thee, Thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. This is a personal word because in my desire to read through the Bible this year in a year, uh, to, to accomplish that discipline, I, I, I have not been taking the time that I need to sit before the Lord and just to wait upon the Lord and to seek his face. It's interesting, uh, Monday I was meditating on this verse out of Psalm 27 that I just read, and I'm headed home from work, and I'm just kind of thinking about that verse and kind of in that road days, you know, as you, you're just kind of looking at the car in front of you and braking or accelerating as you need to through a construction zone. And, and then my eyes kind of focused in on the license plate of the car in front of me, and it said, guess what it said? Psalm 27. Now I'll let you decide if that was coincidence or confirmation. But that's what the Lord's been seeking to me, saying to me is, is Seek me again, pursue me again. Indeed, the scriptures call us to seek the Lord. Uh, let's look at Isaiah 55, a few verses here. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. By the way, the uh, little uh, description of this chapter in my Bible is, says it's the Messiah's invitation to the world. And in verse 6, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and the Lord will have compassion on him. Let him return to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. And then in Jeremiah 29, um, Jeremiah is prophesying to the exiles in Babylon, and he says, You will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found 
by you, declares the Lord. And then finally in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul is writing to the, to the Colossians and he says, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That little word seek means to seek out carefully, to reach out after. It implies that there's difficulty in the effort. And so I'm saying to myself, maybe prayers in the car are not enough. Maybe prayers that are hurried and harried and distracted as we go kind of prayers are not enough. And honestly, I feel that many of us may have stopped earnestly and genuinely seeking the Lord. If that's you, accept it so that you can move forward and repent. One pastor said, when, I was, when was the last time I sought the Lord with a fervent urgency, with a deep sense of helplessness, when I thought that if I didn't find him, I would die? Let us return to regularly seeking the Lord. Amen? Sign number two is that our plans are no longer submitted to the Lord. We no longer submit our plans and desires to the Lord. We think we can plan just as well as he can. There's no need to take the time for prayer and discernment. But um, the scriptures speak to this as well, don't they? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Excuse me. This is Proverbs. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And in James chapter 4, starting in verse 13, it even is more pointed. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. That is a true statement, isn't it? You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. But, but as, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. This is one reason the elders love it when an individual or a couple or a family comes to us with a... Um, a desire to, uh, in, they invite us to enter into a decision-making pro process and prayer regarding a major life decision because the fact is we cannot know the future. And what looks like an incredibly good decision because other life circumstances can enter in at any moment may be a disaster. So how can we, how can we not invite people to pray with us and to discern together. 
William Law in Christian Perfection writes this, all people desire what they believe will make them happy. If a person is not full of desire for God, we can only conclude that he is engaged with another happiness. That's a powerful line. If you, if you feel wanting in terms of uh, being filled with love for God, it's, William Law is saying it's because there is some other happiness you are engaged with some other happiness. It's hard to love God wholeheartedly, Law says. We all know that, so why do we not remove as many hindrances as possible? I want to urge you this morning to submit your major plans and your desires to the Lord once again, remembering that we are not our own. Amen? We have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We belong to him. A third sign that the kingdom may be slipping away from you and from your heart is that is when you lose your urgency to evangelize. How many of you could, could say in recent years you have lost much of your urgency to evangelize? I would say, you know, that I've struggled in that area. I want to be urgent, but to be urgent is a different thing. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And if you're like me, you like this verse because it seems to imply that Timothy wasn't an evangelist by nature. If you run into an evangelist by nature, they're not, they're not worried about their motive to evangelize. Uh, but if, if you're not an evangelist by nature, I hope, like me, you like this verse because he's saying, do the work. Do the work of an evangelist. He, Timothy needed the exhortation. I fear we are in danger of substituting sometimes social action for evangelism. We're in danger of counseling degrees instead of gospel ministry. We're in danger of self-fulfillment instead of giving our lives away, a soft gospel instead of the fear of the Lord. I fear that even as mature Christians, sometimes we are searching out the gray shadowlands of sin instead of the blazing light of the kingdom of God. When it comes to evangelism, is the store clerk just a store clerk? Is a plumber just a plumber? Is the repairman just a repairman? The scriptures say we are no longer to view anyone from a human point of view. And that he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I'm thankful for Kids Club, the VBS effort, the med van, and other out outreaches we have. But I want to challenge you that we must pursue adult evangelism as well to fully please the Lord. We make a decision. Let's make a decision right now. I want to ask you to make a decision to re-engage in evangelism personally, to take, take, take on the work of an evangelist. You won't be perfect, I guarantee it, but you will be pleasing the Lord. Sign number four, that a believer may not be keeping the kingdom first, 
is that devotion to prayer is in a drought, a season of drought. To me, this is a separate issue from seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord to me is about seeking his presence. You don't have any agenda. You're just, you're just with God, allowing him to speak to you, allowing him to take your mind any direction, hopefully experiencing his presence on a felt level. But being devoted to prayer includes a wide range of prayers, prayers for guidance, for intercession, petition, adoration, repentance, thanksgiving, and so on. And no one was busier than Jesus. No one was busier than Jesus, and yet we read constantly that he found opportunities to slip away and pray. He was a master at it. Go figure. In celebration of discipline, Richard Foster writes, he inaugurated his ministry by spending 40 days alone in the desert. Before he chose the 12, he spent the entire night alone in the desert hills. When he received the news of John the Baptist's death, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place apart. After feeding the 5,000, he went up into the hills by himself. Following a long night of work, in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place to pray. When the twelve returned from a he preaching and healing mission, Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a lonely place. After healing a leper, Jesus withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. And so on, and so on, and so on. So it should be for us, Foster writes. You know, I'm a big believer in having a regular time and a regular spot for prayer. That's when prayer in my life has been the best and been the strongest. As you go, prayer is wonderful, but if you have a spot, I, I would like heaven to know and really anyone close to me to know that at this time and in this place, you will find Jim praying because that's what has been best for me in terms of communing with God. And yet in recent years, my, my behavior belies my conviction. The truth is there's a need for more structure in my devotional life, and I would suspect in many of yours as well. D.L. Moody, that great prayer, said, Next to the wonder of seeing my Savior will be, I think, the wonder that I have made so little use of the power of prayer. William Wilberforce said, I suspect I have been allotting habitually too little time to religious exercises such as private devotion and religious meditation, scripture reading, etc. Hence, I am lean and cold and hard. Does that describe how you feel when you have not been with the Lord enough, when you have not prayed enough, that's how it is for me. I start to become angry. Um, I have no business being angry. I'm so blessed. And yet that's the emotion that starts to work in me if I don't spend enough time with the Lord. Impatience and anger. He goes on to say, surely the experience of all good men confirms the proposition that without a due measure of private devotions, the will grows lean. 
take a look at your devotion to prayer and ask, is it in a season of drought? Let's keep the kingdom first. The fifth sign is this. We stop working hard for the kingdom. It becomes about protecting our time. We can so easily get a mindset where we are busy protecting our evenings. Uh, we're protecting our me time. Uh, we're protecting our TV time. Uh, we're protecting our bedtime. God forbid that anything should interfere with our bedtime. Uh, but contrast that with Paul and Silas praising God around midnight, chained to a wall in prison after being beaten. I doubt Silas said, Paul, can we stop singing now? I need a little me time. Or, Paul, can we cut this short? Criminal Minds is on in about 10 minutes. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. This verse has always been an inspiration to me. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. Paul writes, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. And here it is, But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. I think we need to pray again for the mindset of a slave. Which is, in fact, what we are. This past week, I was out at uh, Tulsa Center for Behavioral Health. It's a, a mental health hospital here in town, visiting someone. And um, in walked a, a minister acquaintance of mine from Victory, Victory Church. Uh, Rod Baker, I believe, is, is Rod's last name. But I, I recognized him, and so we sat down together, and we had a talk. And I asked him what he was doing, and he said he's been in Haiti. Uh, since the tragedy down there, um, and now building houses. And now he is on a three-week uh, three down there schedule, one week here in Tulsa. And um, after I left the, the hospital, I was just reflecting on that, how easy it would be for him to say, hey, I, I've been working for three solid weeks away from home. Um, I'm just going to, you know, this week, will just be for me and for my family. And yet here he was visiting a friend or a family member or a congregant um, in, in an unpleasant place uh, at an inconvenient time. It made me think of uh, the verse in Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, where it says, God will render to every man according to his deeds, not his feelings, but his deeds. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and indignation. Let's check our mindset and see if we are still working hard for the kingdom. Not flagging in zeal, as the scriptures say. Making the most of the time, as the scriptures say. Whatever we do, doing it heartily 
as unto the Lord. The sixth sign is that personal sin ceases to be hated very much. Uh, if I were to ask you to complete this line, the fear of the Lord is what? Ooh. Um, let me just follow my notes here. But uh, yeah, you, you, some of you got it where I'm headed with this. Most of us would say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 1, 7. And many of us would have it underlined in our Bible. Um, but do we also have underlined Proverbs 8.13, which says the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil? Uh, I know some of you do. I've appreciated Dave's messages over the last several years to be on guard against sin creeping back into our lives uh, as mature Christians, both sins of behavior and sins of attitude. Uh, Dave has used the passage from Song of Solomon about little foxes spoiling the vine. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says it so well, Therefore, having these great promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If you think about Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first his kingdom and what? His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Are we still concerned, brother and sister, about perfecting holiness within ourselves? If not, the firstness of the kingdom is again slipping away in our hearts. The last sign that I want to talk about is this one. The expectation and desire and yearning for the manifest power of God has been washed away in our hearts. But it seems to me when we stop looking for the supernatural inbreaking of the kingdom of God in the here and now, we are losing a vital part of the kingdom. A vital part of the kingdom of God. Paul came to the Corinthians, he says, with power. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. Let me read that to you. He says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Christ, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, we're told that we are to pursue love and what? Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. It's not enough, in my view, to just be open to them. We are to pursue them, and not just pursue them in a haphazard way, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. 
to edify one another and to glorify God. We are told that when we come together, each one of us has a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song, a tongue, an interpretation, a teaching, a revelation. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the spiritual gift within you. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. Paul was talking to Timothy about teaching and preaching, but he was also talking to him about his spiritual gift, being stirred up, taking pains, being absorbed in these things. I want to ask you to renew a decision to stir up the gifts within yourself so that we might fully edify one another, remembering that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? In conclusion, I want to say, let's do what we can to keep the kingdom first. There's a man named Gordon, um, I don't know if it's pronounced Hugenberger or Hugenberger, of Park Street Church in Boston, and he says this, we belong to God's kingdom, not the shadowlands of this world. We belong to God's kingdom, not the shadowlands of this world. And unlike the current state of the Chilean miners, we who have already believed have been transformed from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. The weight of sin is no longer crushing us, and we are free from the suffocating choke of the law. We have been brought up the tube, as you will, if you will, into that glorious kingdom of light of God's precious Son. Why would we hang out in the shadowlands of sin any longer? I want us to remember who we are this morning. I cite this verse a lot, but I pray that you would allow me to again as you think about these uh, Chilean miners and ourselves. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One more verse. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself. Do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? It would be very easy to have a time of repentance but I feel that we are not to do that here. But I just want to urge you in the strongest possible way to let the Lord go deep into your hearts this week. Um, as I've been preparing this message, honestly, I have felt a renewed sense of the fear of the Lord. And it's a good thing. It's a cleansing. It's a, it's a deepening. And I want that for you as well.
So let these signs confront you. And go to the Lord. Uh, and take time this week to seek the Lord. And I'm sure that he will bless you. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this church and each individual believer here. We pray that your word would go deep, that the fear of the Lord would be upon us, that we would be full and vibrant believers in every sense of the word. that the kingdom would still be first for us. We invite you to reclaim ground that we have given away. We commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jim, for that very clear, very strong exhortation. I encourage you to do just as Jim exhorted us to do. Ponder this through the week. Don't leave here and leave it here. Amen.